Well, good morning. Good to see you guys. Loving this spring weather. Beautiful snow. It's great. Hey, I really enjoy our time here on Sunday mornings. Um, I've got to tell you, this is one of my favorite hours of the week, just spending time with you guys. I mean that, truthfully. So thank you for your part in that and the contribution that you make. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of Patrick Stewart. He's an actor. He's um, from Britain. He is really, honestly, there he's known for being a Shakespearean actor. He's very well trained. Um, And uh, in the 1980s, he was on a show called Star Trek The Next Generation. Seriously, raise your hand if you watched it. Okay. Yeah, me too. Um, But he was was, um, given an award by... TV Guide for being the best dramatic actor in the 1980s. Um, He's been a a university chancellor. He's a professor of performing arts. And this is really cool. He is a knight bachelor in the order of the British Empire. Those are some pretty cool credentials, you know. But when I think of Patrick Stewart, I'm not making this up. One simple phrase comes to mind, and this is it. Engage. 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 I've lost contact, sir. What? <laughs> yeah, that's putting your Shakespearean training to good work, you know? Engage. Um, how many times do you think he said engage in that series? I mean, that's incredible. You could find that on YouTube in about five seconds. That's what I did. Um, but I thought, well, that would be a fun way to, to talk about the uh, title of our series, the two-week series we're finishing up today called Engage, Be the Church. And last week we talked about how as a community, as a group of believers, as a church, we want to engage. We want to be engaged in, in the three areas. We want to engage with the world. We want to be all about a cause. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said that you are the salt and you are the light. So as you engage with the world, be those things. And he also talked about in Matthew 28 how we have a mission that we are supposed to go and we're supposed to make disciples and we're to baptize them and then we're to teach them all of the things that Jesus commanded. And he said he would be with us to the end of the age. So we need to engage with the world. We also need to engage with people. We need to be in relationship, in community with people. And we noticed that uh, Jesus said um, you were supposed to love people, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And we also looked at Acts 2.42, which talked about the early church and a couple of things that they did together in community. They, they did things like they would eat meals together. And they would fellowship with each other, which is just basically hanging out. So we need to engage with people. And we also need to engage primarily, most importantly, with God. We need to be about Jesus. We need to be about Christ. And we, we looked at the other verse preceding uh, when Jesus was talking about what was most important. In addition to loving our neighbors ourselves, we also need to, and primarily and first, love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul. And all of our mind. And in Acts 2.42, again, the church, as they met together, they did other things besides just hang out. They were dedicated to the apostles' teaching, to studying the word of God together. 
And not only did they eat meals in each other's homes, they took the Lord's Supper together. And not only that, they were really committed to prayer. So that's some of the ways that we as a corporate body need to engage. Now, today when we talk about individuals, members of the congregation, we really could just go back through and go through those same three things. But we're not going to do that. But when you hear the word member, what comes to your mind? Do you think of like a country club? You know, I'm a member of this country club. Or maybe, you know, I'm a member of a, a, a warehouse of some kind, you know, and I shop there or an online thing, you know, where I, I'm a member of Amazon Prime or something like that. When we're talking about being a member of the church, it's not the same thing. Being a member of the church is like being a member of a family or a part of a body, a member of the body. So we're going to talk about what that means just briefly today. We're going to use two primary passages. One is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The other is in John 15. If you want to go to 1 Corinthians 12, that's where we're going to start. What does it mean to be a member of a local church? Well, first of all, it means that you are a member of a body, the body of Christ. And Paul talks about that idea. He gives an analogy. He paints a picture for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 12. It says, The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. It reminds me of that song that I learned as a child. You know, the hip bone's connected to the backbone, the backbone's connected to the shoulder bone, the shoulder bone's connected to the head bone. Oh, hear the word of the Lord, Right? One body, many parts, each member performing its function in connection as God designed it. Each member of our physical bodies benefits by our heart pumping blood. Each member of our physical bodies benefits by the oxygen that is taken in by our lungs. Benefits by the food and the water that is taken in from our mouth. Benefits from the communication, the connection to the head. The body of Christ Paul says, is that way. The church is a body, and each part is connected, and each part provides benefit. And I am so grateful that myself, my wife, my kids, my son-in-law now, that we have connection with members of this body. You are very vital to our lives. But the most important member with whom you need to be connected is, of course, the head of the body. That is Jesus. He is the life giver, the most important. We have to be connected to him. And in John chapter 15, Jesus paints this incredible picture of a vine and branches. And let's read that together, starting in, in verse 1 of John chapter 15. 
Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken in you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, so my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. So Jesus says he is the vine and we are the branches, and that leads us to a question, what does a vine do? What is the job of the vine? Well, it's definitely to produce fruit, but that's really more of a result of the main thing that Jesus says that we need to do. And Jesus says this one thing that we need to do 11 times. He says, remain, 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 remain. <laughs> 11 times in these short verses, Jesus says, you need to remain in me. That is the main job of the branch, to remain connected to the vine. Because he knows that many things are going to try to pull us away from him. We just studied this in our Gods at War series. Things will try to push us away from Jesus, to disconnect us from him. We need to stay connected to Jesus. We desperately need him. He is our source. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the very air that we breathe. Without him, we would be on our own. We'd be so lost. We'd be nothing. So how do we stay connected? Simple to understand, not quite as easy to do, but Jesus talks about this. He says, remain in me. But how do you remain in me? He says, you will, you will remain in me when you obey what I've told you to do. Just obey Jesus, he says, and you will remain in my love. And, and how do we know what Jesus says that we're supposed to do? Where are his commands listed for us? Right here in the word of God. That means you have to remain in the word of God if you're going to know what it means to stay connected to Jesus. If you're going to know his commands, the things that he wants you to do, you need to be in the word of God, obviously. So when you obey, you remain connected in the love of Jesus. You're a branch connected to the life-giving, nourishing, perfect vine. You're part of the body connected in God's wonderful design and purpose. So we have to stay connected. Second, a member is moldable. You're willing to be transformed. Jesus said that each branch needs to be pruned. Now that's not comfortable, but it is wise and it is beneficial. My grandparents had a, a grape barber their house, a really big grape barber. And one year, my dad got part of that, and he, he brought it home in a big old coffee can. Remember those? <laughs> and uh, brought it home, and he planted it in our yard. 
And it grew a little bit, and, you know, the next year it grew a little bit more. It wasn't producing fruit very much. There were some vines that were coming out of it. But I remember one year, the, the, I went out into the backyard, and the grape arbor was like a stick. It was like a vine, and there was nothing else. Like, the branches were all completely pruned, and I was like, Dad, what did you do to the grape arbor? I was confident there was no fruit that could come from that. And, of course, you know what happened. The next season came, and that vine produced all kinds of branches, and those connected branches produced all kinds of fruit. My dad knew what he was doing. Jesus says that our heavenly father is the gardener, and he knows what he's doing. And he prunes branches. And we need to trust that process. And just like God is the gardener, God also is an artisan. See, there's a related picture of God. And we see it in Isaiah 64. And we also see it in Romans 9. And here we see God as a potter working with clay. We are the clay. And God molds us and shapes us and refines us as best serve his purposes. And again, we need to trust that process as well. Just like God the gardener does what's right, God the artisan does what's right. He knows what he's doing. Now, I don't know about you, but that that takes some pressure off of me. Because it's much less complicated to be the clay than to be the potter. You just have to be willing and moldable, shapeable. You have to let God prune you as the branch. And when you do that, when you are available to God and you remain connected to God, then something really incredible happens, and that is you are productive. You bear fruit. You are on mission with God. Look again at John 15 verse 5, he says, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. A man who remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, if you remain in the vine, if you remain connected to Jesus, willing to be pruned, then you will bear fruit. And Jesus says that word fruit seven times, again, in a very short passage. Well, what is this fruit? I mean, do we have bananas and apples and grapes that pop out of us? Hopefully not. If you do, you might want to go see the doctor. We produce spiritual fruit. What does that look like? Well, in Galatians chapter 5, we know that it's love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Holy Spirit develops those in our lives. So that's part of this fruit. But there's really more than that. There is other spiritual fruit. In their book, The Fruit of the Spirit, authors Trask and Goodall mention four additional types of spiritual fruit. One is people. When you help someone grow in their spiritual life, that is spiritual fruit. Giving. When you invest your time and your energy and your money into the body of Christ... When you give, 
that is fruit that the Bible talks about. The Bible says that when we praise God, that is the fruit of our lives, the fruit of our lips offered up to Him. So praise is fruit that honors God. Whenever we share the gospel, the good news about Jesus, that is fruit and it brings benefit to someone's life. So remain in the vine and and be willing to be shaped by God. And that leads to good fruit. And then it's really cool. Jesus also mentions in verse 11 something else that happens. He says, you will find joy, his joy, and it will be made complete in us. And sometimes it's, you wonder, you're thinking, where is that? I know this June it will be 10 years that we came back from serving on the mission field. And uh, I got to tell you, we were there for three years. It was supposed to be this indefinite amount of time. And when we came back, I felt like a failure. I really did. I felt I had let this church down. I had let other churches down that were supporting us. I was a disappointment to my family and to my friends. But primarily, I knew I had disappointed God. It was hard. I was depressed. It was difficult for me to get out of bed in the mornings. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. But through the investment of people who were connected to God and connected to me, People who spoke truth patiently into my life. Things began to change because God worked through them and he worked through his word and through his Holy Spirit. And I had to check to make sure I was still connected to the vine in the way that I should be. I had to make sure that I was willing to allow God to work and change me, to prune me, to mold me. I had to check and make sure that I was actually interested in producing spiritual fruit. And when I checked those things and surrendered more to God, then God began to produce fruit once again in my life. And that was awesome. But I got to tell you, something else happened. His joy came back to my life. That is so magnificent. And I can identify with what it says in Psalm 27, 8, that the joy of the Lord is my strength. And and I honestly can't help it, but sometimes I just want to burst out with songs of thanksgiving. Do you want to have a more fruitful life, a productive life spiritually? Do you want more joy, more delight, more peace and contentment? Then check your connection to the vine. Check that you are saying, yes, God, I am willing to be pruned and I'm willing to be molded. And check your heart. Are you really wanting to be productive for God or are you more interested in God being productive for you? See, we're going to have to ask a tough question. Am I a consumer or am I consumed? Now, the intention of this question is not to produce guilt, and guilt is a poor motivator. But let's really see where we are and ask God, allow God to make changes if they are necessary. See, in a lot of areas of our lives, we are consumers, understandably so. 
We go to a lot of different restaurants, not just one. We've owned computers from multiple manufacturers, cell phones too, not just Apple, I promise. We buy groceries and clothes and household items from a lot of different stores. And we've owned cars, I had to write this down, from Plymouth, Honda, Dodge, Nissan, Chevy, Toyota, Pontiac, Mercury, Mazda, and just this week, Tesla. Just kidding about the Tesla. Just want to make sure you guys were paying attention. I have sat in a Tesla. That was more than I could afford just to sit in. Um, But, you know, we're a consumer-based culture. But can I be really, really honest with you? The church is not a group of consumers. The church is a community of members. Some people approach the church like consumers at a buffet. Well, I I really like the music at this church, so I'm going to take some of that. And the teaching from this church is really good. Take a little bit of that. I like the small groups at this church. I'm going to go there for my small group stuff. And the outreach program is cool here, so I'm going to be a part of that church for that. And this church really fits my demographics. And we come up with a smorgasbord, and people pick and choose. Or they stay in a place until they find they don't like it anymore, and then they go somewhere else. And we can do that in the United States because we have so many choices. But if you really want to grow and you really want to have influence, find a local church here or somewhere else and please stay there. You know, if you you don't like everything that's happening in your family, you don't just go, well, I'm going to get it into another family then, you know? It's your family. So if, if there's something about a local church that you don't like, don't just say, I'm checking out of that place. It's your family. Now, we just have to realize that maybe, maybe if there's something that needs to change, it needs to happen in us, but maybe through us. Maybe God wants to use you to make things better. The American church has a lot of consumers, but the American church needs committed members. If you went across the street to Meijer and you started stocking shelves and collecting carts, cleaning the restrooms, that would be a little weird, you know, unless you were a part of the team as a member there. Because at Meijer, you are expected to be a consumer. But in the local church, you are expected to be a member. You know, if you're here and you don't serve, that's really pretty odd. If you're here and you're not in a small group, that is not normal. If you're here and you don't contribute with your time, your energy, your financial resources, that is truly unexpected. See, because members of a body of a family contribute. That's what they do. That's who they are. Another biblical analogy of the church is a family. And have you ever seen a family member, I mean, this is kind of, you know, to extremes, but somebody who just never wants to contribute to the family? For example, hey, I only eat, I don't fix any food, and I certainly don't pay for any of it. Sorry, I'm too busy to set the table or wash the dishes. I just don't have time to help out. You don't know how busy I am. Or I need more shampoo, 
This one breaks down. The analogy breaks down right here, okay? I need more shampoo. And please buy the good stuff, not the Dollar Tree stuff. By the way, the shower is pretty dirty. The soap scum is just building up. Could you please clean that? I did say please. Our internet is so slow. Why do we only have basic cable TV anyway? And speaking of TV, our HDTV is only 42 inches. That is not big enough. Especially when you finally get me my PS4, it won't work. i got to have a bigger TV. And by the way, we also need to get a bigger TV that's a smart TV because I've got to have Hulu Plus and Netflix both because I need both of those to see all the shows I want to see. The pile of dirty clothes in my room just keeps growing. I don't know what the deal is, but they're starting to, like, go out into the hall. Could you please take care of them? And would you please stop asking me to help out? You should just be really glad I'm part of the family. I'm noticing more female laughter than male. (laughs) Yeah, we might need to own some of those things. I don't know. Maybe physically, maybe spiritually. But you know what? Spiritual infants are consumers. They are. Spiritual adults are consumed by Jesus. Their love for God and their love for people. A consumer says, what can I get? Someone who's consumed says, what can I give? Consumer, please me. Consumed, How can I please Jesus? Consumer, what does it look like? How does it feel? Consumed, how does it impact someone's life? Consumer, is it popular and cool? Consumed, is it right? Consumer, it's about me. Consumed, it's about Jesus. A couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> excuse me, we watched a video called Me Church. Some of you will remember that. We watched it then, knowing we were going to watch it again today. But a few reasons for that. First of all, it's really funny. Two, we paid for it. So it's good stewardship to recycle it, right? <clears throat> but primarily, the reason we showed it then was it fit then. But it really, really, really fits today. Let's watch this video called Me Church. Imagine a church where every member is passionately, wholeheartedly, and recklessly calling the shots. I have a busy work week, and by the time Sunday rolls around, I'm tired. So how about a church service that starts when I get there? Can do. When you arrive, we begin. This guy, he plays by his own rules. We want to find a church where if he starts screaming, we're not the bad guys. Say no more. If your baby's screaming, you stay seated. The others around you can leave. You know, financially, Sherry and I don't give a lot to the church, but we'd sure like to know who does. All right, if you join now, you'll know what every person gives in detail. When I'm in the church service, can my car get a buff and a wax? Not just that, but an oil change and a tune-up. Hey, how about tickets to the Super Bowl? That's asking too much. I'm serious. If I'm going to join, I want tickets to the big game. All right, you join now, and we'll get you there. I like a pony. Look in your backyard. 
Me Church, where it's all about you. Well, uh, Discover is not me church, it's not my church, it's not your church. The church belongs to Jesus. It's the most life-giving, effective organization on the planet. It was started by Jesus to make a difference. So, be the church. Remain connected to Jesus. Keep your relationships solid. Be the church. Stay moldable in God's hands. Let him transform you. Be the church. Be productive in the work of Jesus. Be on mission with him. Be the unique member of the family that God created you to be. You know, like our physical bodies, the church is kind of the sum of its individual members. We're empowered with the Holy Spirit to go into the world and make it a better place and also to bring more people into heaven. We have some incredibly effective members here at Discover. Hands doing, feet going, lips speaking, eyes examining, ears listening. And with Jesus as the head and the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are even greater than just the sum of our individual parts. See, God created us individually, uniquely, for a specific purpose. To have something that contributes to the entire body. And we already looked at 1 Corinthians 12, 12, but just a reminder. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one, so it is with Christ. And, and I love this next passage in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, where it, it talks about us in another kind of way. It says, As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves... Like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. This passage says we are living stones. We are alive. We're not dead. And we are being built. God is forming us and placing us into his plan. And we are part of a spiritual house, not a physical building. We are the church being built by God. And we are part of a royal priesthood. Everyone is a priest who is a follower of Jesus, not just the professional people. Now, I think it's interesting that we're called living stones. We're not called bricks. It's a lot easier to build something with bricks because they're all the same. You know, you just put them in a line. We are not bricks. We are living stones. God has created each of us uniquely, and God is forming us. Yeah, we have some rough edges. All of us do that. He needs to to work off of us. See, stones are, are like snowflakes or fingerprints. No two are exactly the same. And so God will find exactly the place where you are to fit in the body. He knows just the right location. And no one else could fill that spot the way that you were designed to fill it. Now, I don't know which part you are, but whatever you are, do your part. Hands don't do everything, but they do their part. Feet don't do everything, but they do their part. Lungs don't do everything, but they do their part. Just don't be the appendix, because we don't know what you do. (laughs) Seriously, do something beneficial for the church and for the world. Be who God designed you to be. 
Do you believe that you are a unique, important member of God's family? Not, not just for someone else. I mean, do you believe that about you? Do you believe that God wants you to be connected to Jesus? Do you believe that God is forming you? Do you believe that God has a specific purpose for you? See, God says that, but the enemy, he wants you to doubt it. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that his death on the cross paid for your sins? Do you believe that there is hope for this life and hope for eternal life because of Jesus? God says that that is true. The enemy wants you to doubt it. If you've never surrendered to God, or if you want to talk more about what that looks like, or if you want to have someone pray with you, in just a minute as we sing a song, please come forward. Now, maybe you're already a Christian. You've already surrendered your life to God. You've already been immersed. You've already said, I want Jesus to be everything to me, even though I do that imperfectly. But you are not connected to this local church officially We don't think you're here by accident. We think God has you here for a reason. And you can come forward and you can say, you know what? I want to just become a member here at Discover. What does that look like? It's really simple. You come forward, you restate your faith in Jesus, just so people know. You confess who he is. And you say, I want to be connected here. I want to be molded here. I want to be on mission and useful here. Now, I am not just a staff member here at Discover. Discover is my home church. This is where I belong. This is where I am connected. This is where God is is molding me, shaping me. This is where God has me doing something for the kingdom and for the world according to his purpose. This is where I give my tithes and offerings to this local church. This is where I am in a life group. This is where I serve on ministry teams even outside of my, quote, ministry area as a staff member. This is where God is moving me slowly from being a consumer to being consumed by Jesus. This is where I am a member. Hundreds of other people are members here too. And again, if you're already a Christian, but you're not connected to the local church here, we would invite you to come forward and say, this is where God wants me to be. Now's your chance. Again, if you've never confessed Jesus, you've never been immersed, you've never said, I need you, Lord, in my life, you can do that. Or if you have done that and you've not connected to this local body and you think God's calling you to be here, then do that. Would you consider those things, pray about them as we sing the words to this song?